If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 371 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Hurling. Uh, <laughs> today, you couldn't even get in I, one minute into the podcast <laughs> without mentioning that. <laughs> as, as you can hear, I'm joined today by Ian O'Neill as uh, Graham's away at a wedding. So myself and Ian, just a week before the All Ireland final between Limerick and Kilkenny. No hurling. We might be, not be. We might. This might be the last podcast ever that we record. We might be talking after next week. There might be deaths. There might be deaths. But we're actually. We, I actually forgot about this. We're we're doing a hurling podcast over on Patreon this week. So look out for that. Sign up patreon.com for our severe my podcast. Myself and Ian. Uh, hopefully gonna break that down anyway we'll see if we're still talking by the time Tuesday or Wednesday comes and we can record a podcast so we're gonna do that there but uh, we're gonna start off the podcast this week and we're gonna actually look ahead to next week's uh, Mixed Martial Arts and some news as well and then in the second half of the podcast we are going to break down all the action from last night but before we do that we must tell you about today's sponsors and that is Eat All Real Nutrition if you watch our live streams on a, on a Wednesday or a Thursday with Ian and, and myself and the lads uh, you will know all about our friends over at uh, All Real Nutrition. They're absolutely fantastic. Uh, they do protein bars and protein uh, peanut butter and all stuff like that. It's real food ingredients, high quality protein with an absolute great taste. I have one of them here uh, up on up on my desk. And I know before a podcast, Ian, you even brought some of them back over to Canada when you went back over after after holiday home last week and our last uh, last uh, few months ago. And uh, you, you've uh, kind of ran out of them now, but you want more of them. <laughs> but I think we all want more of them because they're absolutely unbelievable. They're plastic-free, the packaging, and um, it's made with home compostable wrappers. Four million bottles prevented from entering the ocean. Um, so they're absolutely fantastic. Over 900 five-star reviews, and they deliver to anywhere in Europe as well. So they're a Kerry company, local, Irish, all those good things, real food, Good for the environment and all of that. So uh, check them out. Uh, go over to eatallreal.com. That's eatallreal.com. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA and you get 15% off over there. They also do like sunglasses and t- uh, toothbrushes and things like that. Is it teeth brush or toothbrushes? I'm not sure. Whatever they are. The things for brushing your teeth. <laughs> you can get them as well. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA. That's 15% off eatallreal.com. They support us. They support the environment. They do really good stuff. Check them out. Support them. An Irish company. And they're absolutely fantastic. Eatallreal.com. Promo code SEVEREMMA for 15% off. Right, Ian. Let's, uh, first of all here, we, you know, we've been talking about lots of fights recently and everything like that. Let's talk about a, new, a bit of news first. And the PFL salaries came out. Uh, this week, and we were kind of we were briefly talking there before the, the podcast. That you said to me, "Geez, I know Michaela Harrison is staying over now." And I'm actually looking at it here up on uh, where is it? Uh, MMA Fighting have it up, and they say five hundred thousand for Kayla Harrison. I saw someone tweeting last night saying she's actually getting a million per fight. So, uh, and you know, these are obviously uh, released by the commission, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so the yeah the, the Georgia Athletic Commission released these purses. Uh, lots of the commissions used to do it before, but the Georgia ones are doing it now. So obviously the PFL, this is the minimum they pay them, so they can obviously pay them more behind the scenes as well. And we, we know all about that if you, if you know about MMA. But this is 
unbelievable money they're paying people here, isn't it? Like Sidibu C got 52 grand, Rory McDonald 250 grand, Ray Cooper 200 grand, um, 150 to, to show 150 to win Magomed, uh, Kerimov 200 grand, Umalatov 32 grand, Lar- uh, Larissa Pacheco 48 grand. This is savage money that these uh, people are getting paid here. Uh, you know, even, you know, the likes of Bruno Capelosa getting 40 grand is not bad money and, and all of that, but it's it's a bit shocking uh, to say the least. In, in in for a show that's on ESPN, I'm sure it has um, you know earning good money from them, but it doesn't seem to be doing massive crowds. Doesn't seem to have massive interest, even though I pretty I like it. and I know you like their product as well, but it's it's good to see that the fighters getting paid, isn't it? But but at the same time, you're like, oh, uh, how are how are they getting paid that much money? Yeah, I. I had said we record obviously the chase and pack on, on over on Patreon and we recently discussed Kayla Harrison and I was scratching my head and I was wondering like, why is she staying around? I think she had missed an opportunity maybe to join up at Bellator and join up with the UFC. But uh, when this story broke and, and the news came out and you see the actual figures, it's, 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 very understandable why she wants to stay around at the PFL. It's serious. 500,000, half a million per fight. She's guaranteed four fights, five fights that she'll earn all that money in, plus the bonus of winning the one million if she does, which is probably almost guaranteed to do it. I know she'll have a difficult fight in Pacheco, but um, I mean, and what about your boy, Anthony Pettis, on 750,000? for for fighting what what fight with Miles and the fight with Stevie Ray which he lost I mean that's crazy money it's it's great to see how long it will last is maybe another question I mean I don't know what numbers that they're doing I know they're trying to expand and we're going to have a couple of shows in the UK and and they're going to try and expand more internationally and stuff but good for them for now but it'd be interesting to see how long they can stay doing it for yeah that's the thing about it like I I think the thing with uh, PFL and with one championship as well, they're actually doing MMA promotion very differently than anyone's ever done it before. They have investors and they're, you know, it's it's not a profit-making company uh, in the short term or maybe even in the medium term, you know? It's one, I'm I no uh, 1FC anyway, no, we're not experts on this obviously, but to, to like, you know, to, to sell the product to people in terms of uh, sell them an investment opportunity and to make the product as good as you can can in the short term to get more investment opportunities. And it's uh, like there, there are certain companies, I think Twitter might even be one, that has never actually made a profit, but it's made a mad amount of money because they think it's going to be madly profitable in the future. And that's why a big reason when Elon Musk put up his money to uh, to buy Twitter, they had to accept it because these people have invested all their money down through the years with no sign of money coming back. And then Elon Musk goes, here, well, here's 50 billion or whatever it is. And they obviously have to take it back then at that stage if, if they're, uh, uh, you, know, in the, you know, if it's offered. So... That is the situation. No, I don't think Elon Musk is going to be coming along and bidding for uh, PFL anytime soon. But that's basically what they're doing. They're in, uh, getting massive investment from uh, celebrities and and different people like that, and then they're putting it into their fighters. And they're, you know, I'm guarantee you, there'll be fighters in the UFC thinking Clay Collard's getting twenty eight grand, and you know, there, there's other, like Alex Martinez getting uh, 38 grand. Even, you know, lads, like, look at Miles Price. He got 12 grand. Okay, what you say isn't massive. That's, you know, it's good payment, not massive. But if Miles went to Cage Warriors, do you think he'd be getting 12 grand? Like, he'd probably take Miles four or five fights in Cage Warriors to get 12 grand. Now, I'm not sure exactly what they're getting paid over there, but we know it's not that level of money. So, it's an option for guys, I think, in the UFC who will look at people as even like an Emiliano Sardi here got 53 grand for his PFL four fight. And we're probably, you know, there's lads in the UFC who made five or six fights and they're probably on like 20 grand, 22 grand or even entry level fighters into the UFC who might be able to come in here and get 25 and 25 or 16 and 16 instead of their 10 and 10 or now with the Dana White Contender Series even 8 and 8 as well. 
So I think these figures coming out and being like widely reported is actually a massive, go- a massively good thing for PFL. Before we always heard about, oh, we don't want, the, you know, that it's not good for the promotions and all this when the amount of money comes out. But these have been so shockingly high that I think it can only be a, a good thing for PFL yeah. in, in, in terms of signing fighters and things. In terms of long, longevity, I think that was always a question anyway because of the amount of money they're getting in and we know they're spending it. But, uh, you know, maybe the short term bringing in fighters who would be attracted by Brendan Lachnan getting 170 grand for beating Ago Husage, you know, that the likes of him uh, in other uh, places will want to sign there and that can only help him medium term to long term. You're looking at Omari Akhmedov there who made 206,000 for his last win. That was more than Dobson Figueredo made for defending his title the last time, which is absolutely crazy. And I... I was disappointed when the decision was made not to release the, the the disclosed pay packages per card because I think that the fact that they're not doing it anymore is not good for the fighters because it can be used then as a as a bargaining tool. Our fighters can will look at these salaries as well after happening from the PFL, like you said, and it might turn their head and it might help them make different decisions on, on, on what their career path is going to be. But I mean, credit where credit is due, PFL at the minute seem to be doing all the right things in their progression as a promotion and, and, and what they're trying to do with the site fight writers they're trying to sign uh, the, the shows that they're putting on. And now we're seeing that expansion into Europe with, with not one, but two UK shows coming up in, in August this year, which will only help them kind of integrate into the European market. So, you know, I've been looking at PFL since 2018, since it kicked off, just, you know, didn't know too much about it. Um, and, kept one eye on it and I like it I mean the, the, the league is a bit of a gimmick but I don't mind that I mean it's you have to kind of stand out from the crowd and, and you don't want to be doing the same thing as everybody else as well so you have to give the PFL credit for that and they're definitely moving in the right direction right now 100% yeah I actually have a video about it on on um, Sherdog this week where I kind of reviewed we're halfway through the season now the regular season is over and we've gone on to the playoffs but I started off that video by kind of saying exactly what you said there. I think they've improved on everything. Like the commentary, I think, has gotten better. They have less of the, you know, the, the bullshit judging stuff. They have more of good judging stuff. Uh, you know, the even when um, even when their ring announcer got, you know, she went down, she couldn't speak the last day. You know, uh, Sean O'Connell stepped in, Kenny Florian stepped in for him then, and it just went off smoothly. And they did a great job, to be honest. The fights, like the fights, like in any promotion can be good or bad i think the fact that a lot of fights they need first round finishes in some of them it actually makes them better and then another one's in you know it's the same debate with open scoring you know is is it going to make you know some people kind of sit back and not fight as hard and you could argue that with the rory mcdonald fight and everything but overall i think it's very good and it's something different and uh if pfl keep and keep paying fighters the way they're paying them like this i think we'll all be happy with it so fair play to them and good good stuff there and uh, we'll obviously talk about more about that over in the chasing back on patreon uh, and uh, on this podcast as well when the playoffs come up uh, let's talk about next week's card so and it's a pretty good one there's there's no there's one championship card actually next week but there's no bellator no pfl or anything like that they all have a few weeks off it's actually a pretty good one championship uh top top of the card anyway uh or in the reader is is back on that card i know we talked about him before on the chasing pack he's uh defending his 205 pound title uh over there and there's lots, lots of kickboxing and muay thai and stuff on that as well so if that's your cup of tea tune into that but there's a pretty good uh, UFC on ABC card uh, the top of that card has Brian Ortega versus Yair Rodriguez and obviously you know there'll be a full breakdown over in the preview show uh, but just to talk about a, a few of these fights here my, myself and Spencer actually have a podcast coming out this week as well over in Shardog talking about the featherweight division and it's a massive time for the featherweight division because Volkanovski just defeated Max Holloway for the third time two weeks ago it opens up a spot for someone else with Holloway now, you know, out of the way for a while. Um, and this is a big opportunity for Rodriguez or Ortega because they have the first real opportunity here as people towards the top of the division, you know, to stake a claim for that next title shot. Ortega, you know, has had two title shots before, so maybe it'll be harder for him. But Yair Rodriguez coming off of that great performance against Max Holloway, if he was to go in here and beat Brian Ortega, it had really put the soundings out to get him towards a title shot 
win guys you know like Arnold Allen and Josh Emmett who are maybe not as sexy names as Jair Rodriguez um, are are there as well and for him to make that kind of put his hand up first I think would be big what, what do you think it is fight Ian and, and who do you fancy in it I suppose this is a, a fantastic fight really I mean you're not going to get too much better of a fight in the featherweight division right now than this fight between Ortega and Rodriguez. I think two guys, like you said, who are looking to stake a claim for the number one contendership. Uh, it's the perfect opportunity. And, it, you know, it's the perfect time as well. You know, the results of the Holloway and Volkanovski fights are fresh in our minds. We've had Josh Emmett fight recently and get the win. Um, you know, the only person that's kind of getting left out in the cold now in the featherweight division is, like you said, Arnold Allen, you know what I mean? It'll be interesting to see what they do with him, whether they will match him up with with Josh Emmett and, or, or maybe throw him in for the next shot. I, I doubt that that's going to happen. I can see him probably fighting someone like Emmett next. Volkanovski's a broken hand now as well, so he's going to be out well. for a good few months. Yeah. So we could put, work our way into maybe, if you wanted to, to label it as, Ortega, Rodriguez, Emmett and Arnold Allen in a kind of a semi-final, kind of a number one contendership, small little mini bracket tournament. It'd be great to see, but Ortega and Rodriguez. What we've seen from Ortega recently is, you know, he he has shown some really good wrinkles in his stand-up. Um, you know, he went in there and he took a bad, bad beating against Max Holloway in that fight. Um, who exposed, like Max Holloway does with many of the featherweight fighters, he exposed a, a lot of openings in in, in, in their striking game. But um, Ortega really came back after that and showed that he's been working hard, um, took two years out and came in against the Korean Zombie and, you know, put on a clinic against Korean Zombie, to be honest, dropped him with spinning elbows and, and, and look, got the better of the stand-up and the grappling exchanges. Against Alexander Volkodovsky, you know, Volkanovski proved that how good of a of a, a fighter he is in that fight as well, but almost got caught in that third round with that guillotine. Like Ortega was so close there to getting it, and and another man on another might, night might have tapped out. Um, on the other hand, yeah, your Rodriguez as well has showed some some great improvements as well. Um, you know, performed well in that Max uh, Holloway fight, wasn't blown out of the water, but did. Co- lose convincingly and that's no shame against Max Holloway but these two guys have the the the, the chance now in a main event uh, soon after the title fight to come in against one another and it's very difficult to see how they're, how they're going to match up I mean you would probably uh, not probably you would almost certainly give Ortega the advantage in the grappling department and I'm curious to see if he's going to want to stand and bang with someone like Yair Rodriguez because you know I would probably give the advantage to Rodriguez on the feet. He's more dynamic. He has more shot shots to select from. His kicking um, game is very good, but he's not going to be able to use that kicking game all that much against Ortega, probably with the fear of being taken down. So I think if I was to select anyone at this stage, I would probably side with, with, with Brian Ortega, given his grappling advantage. I think he'll probably try and close the distance, maybe take the fight down, give Yair Rodriguez something to think about, um, level change. You know, we talk about it time and time again. We see fighters in there, you know, even this the mere threat of a takedown can take somebody off their game. And I think that was what was, you know, we were all very frustrated with the performance of Sean Strickland against uh, Alex Behea. Don't get me started like, again. <laughs> Oh man, me too. I don't know why I took that. I took that personally. Like, yeah, like Michael Jordan. I said I took that personally. So, <laughs> me yeah, too. Because we were all, we were all, we all picked, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all picked Strickland before that fight because we tell you know, the, okay, maybe he mightn't be able to get him down successfully, but for Sean Strickland not to go out there and 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 even level change or even allude to the fact that he wanted to take the fight down was ridiculous. And I don't think that. It's going to happen here with Brian Ortega and yeah, your Rodriguez. I think if he doesn't go straight grappling, he'll at least threaten it, and it'll be interesting to see how yeah, your Rodriguez reacts to those movements. Do you know what I find very interesting? I think the fact that Brian Ortega in the last few fights has become more of like um, a fundamental striker or boxer, if you want to say that. And he came out, um, you know, he came out a couple of fights ago, and he looked. I think he looked phenomenal, and everyone was. You remember the 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 blood, the uh, no hair, and everyone was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" What was the the Chan Sung Jung fight, wasn't it? And he looked yeah. absolutely yeah. phenomenal. 
I, I actually think, and you know, we haven't much tape on him. We had that fight, and then we had the Volkanovski fight, obviously, as well. But I think he's going to try to fight that way that he fought against Chan Sung Jung, against uh, Yair Rodriguez, again, while adding in, as you said, um, you know, a bit of uh, grappling. And I say grappling, and I don't mean wrestling, because I actually think to be um, a fundamentally good striker, you kind of have to add in fundamentally good wrestling as well if you want to get the fight to the ground in terms of you have to set up your like double leg or single leg or whatever it might be from your fundamental boxing stance to get the fight to the ground. Whereas if you're not as good or don't fight as well in like a fundamental boxing stance, you can kind of catch someone from anywhere. You know, you ju- we see it all the time with Jackeray back in the day or Verdum. They throw a big kick and they fall on the ground. They pull the lad down on top of him and bingo, you know, they have it exactly where they want to get it. And that was the way that Brian Ortega was as well in previous fights. You know, he what, what did he mean? Like three fights in a row by third round submission. And that's because he was just like falling on lads, catching them, jumping up on top of them in the clinch and jumping on guillotines and stuff like that. I think that's a lot harder to do when you're fighting a really like technical, fundamental boxing game. So I think that actually might have taken away from the best part of his game to give to another part of his game and to transition between both of them. If he can do it, it'll be very good. I always talked about it with Rosanam Yunus. She was the same. She used to catch people in submissions all the time and then she turned into like a really good fundamental boxer. But she's never been able to max mix back in her submissions. And I wonder if Brian Ortega can do it too. Now, he almost submitted Volkanovski. So there you go. Maybe he can do it. And I, I'll go back. I haven't gone back and watched that yet. And we, we will, I will do that before we, we do the, the preview show this week. But I think that might be a key for him as well. Like, I, I was mentioning this fight to, to, to someone in the know earlier on. And they said to me, look, I think Yair Rodriguez will probably beat him on the feet, as you said there. And I would agree as well. But then they said, like, well, Brian Ortega has five rounds to catch him once. I was like, that's a good point. Like, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, that's what I'm that's looking at needs. here as well. I think, look at Yair Rodriguez. You know, he throws some flashy stuff out when he's standing. He can't afford to be too sloppy with any of his spinning attacks because he leaves his if he leaves his back exposed and Brian Ortega gets on his back, that's trouble. Um, if you know, if he's being a little bit loosey goosey on the feet as well, and like we've seen Brian Ortega just literally jump on submissions. He did it in Volkanovski. Um, you know, based off a scramble, basically on the feet, it, it was crazy how quickly he can, he has that killer instinct and it's just his natural ability to jump on those submissions. And I think that's what makes Brian Ortega very dangerous in this fight as well. And, you know, having that in your back pocket as well, I think is very important, you know, and it will bring his confidence levels up coming into this fight. Whereas that, I, I don't think he's going to be afraid to, to kind of stand and bang with Rodriguez. And it'll be interesting to see how they both do in boxing range. Because if you're Yair here, you're not going, like I said, you're not going to be throwing out kicks all that much. You know, you don't want one of those kicks to be caught. You don't want to end up on your back. So, you know, we could have like a good old fashioned Mexican standoff here where, you know, the two guys are are standing in front of one another, kind of waiting to counter each other. We could see some exchanges in boxing range here. It's a very exciting fight because, you know, that's what this is the epitome of an exciting fight where me and you are just talking to each other here and we have 10, 15 questions already that we're asking each other about how this fight goes. That's what we want to talk about. And, and that's the question. Those are the questions we want to ask. And the fun part is is actually seeing them fight and, and finding out some of the answers. Oh, 100%. And we, we'll obviously talk more about this in the preview show uh, this week. Keep an eye on uh, our Twitter and the Severe May YouTube as well. If you're not subscribed there, go over and click subscribe on our YouTube as well. Two more things I want to touch on from this card. And obviously, we'll break down every fight uh, on the preview show. Jack Shore, uh, he's buried in the middle of this card. And I know a lot of people have been giving out about it with UFC London, obviously, coming up next week. Now, don't get me wrong, I think he should be on that London card and just because it's closer to home, you know, it's there's I've been on a lot of the Irish cards when there's been Welsh lads on and the Welsh crowd are insane. They come, you know, they come in their droves and they're absolutely brilliant. But uh, the one, the one, uh, this is almost a, a double negative here in terms of like, they've been buried in the middle of the car in the middle of the card here out in fucking where's this fight on is it in vegas no long island in new york right which isn't bad it's actually close enough you can fly out there but 
They would have him buried in the middle of the card in London too. And that's the problem. Like with Paul Craig. I, I, Paul Craig's on the card next week. I think he's buried in the middle of the card again. And that man... That man should nearly be the number one contender in that division. You know, he's beaten uh, Ankaliyev and Jamahal Hill. He should be right up there. And they're burying him in the middle of it. Jack Shore, 16 and 0. Maybe the best prospect in the world. And they're burying him in the middle of this. In a tough fight against Ricky Simon, or Ricky Simon, as they call him. Um, I, I actually don't think it makes that much of a difference apart from the 15 minutes when he's in there because the crowd will go mad but it'll be at like fucking 4 o'clock in the morning in Vegas time and by the time the lads over in Vegas wake up it'll be Paddy Pimblett in the co-main event more than likely with Darren Till out and then it'll be the main event so I don't actually think it makes that much of a difference in a weird way now it does make a difference but I'm saying it's like a double negative what, what do you think of Jack Shore here? it's a good fight though against Ricky Simon but it's madness the fight is great and I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on what you said. I think that the, his placement on this card was baffling and the, the fight, the order that he's fighting in and this on the buried on the prelims is even more baffling. You know, it might not mean much to a lot of people, but I tell you who it does mean a lot to, uh, and that would be Jack Shore and having the chance to fight in London, having the, the chance to fight in front of your home fans and not having to have them travel across the pond. You know, that those are the moments that you work so hard as a fighter to kind of achieve. And, you know, he did get the chance the last time out and, he, and it's unfortunate that he's not getting that chance this time because, you know, he will have experienced the last card and how special it was. And I, I would expect this next card to be just the same too. And it's just, he's one of the main like focal points and, and one of the biggest talents that has come over from cage where you're still undefeated, still beating good level opposition. And it's just a shame that he's not being given the opportunity here. And, you know, I don't know why he doesn't seem to does not doesn't know why either. I know his dad has been talking on Twitter saying it's been a little bit even disrespectful putting him on this card. But you know it, that's all there. It's happening. It's it's going down. What he cannot do is get too distracted by that. He needs to concentrate on Ricky Simon, who is a, a, a tricky customer. Um, he just needs to get the head down, get the job done, and then use his time on the microphone, call the UFC out, call the call call out whoever made the decisions like I should be on that London card. Don't let me like don't let it happen again. I need to be on those cards. But it, it's time and time again we see these kind of strange decisions in the UFC and uh, I really can't get my head around this one. If the cards were miles apart, maybe you would understand. But the fact that they're so close together it uh, doesn't make any sense to me why he's on this card, but nonetheless, the fight is going to be great. I think the, the two guys match up really well. Um, similar enough kind of styles. Um, it'll be that it'll be down to who implements their game plan. I, I I really do fancy Jack Shore for this. I think Simon is good, but he has some off nights as well, and we've not seen Jack Shore have any off nights just yet. Um, you know the guy. Um, Oh, his name escapes me. Um, the guy that Jack Shore fought in his last fight, um, Valiev, was not that well known, but an excellent fighter. Very and Ricky good, Simone yeah. is a little bit more well known. So at least, you know, you're getting a more kind of a, a fan friendly name this time that you can get a win over. And uh, I think that the fight is going to be a, a good fight. And the bantamweight division overall in the UFC right now is absolutely insane with talent. I mean, we were talking about uh, um we'll we'll be talking about later on a couple of fights coming up that um that happened in the UFC and you know in the bantamweight division you could nearly set another separate rankings that's outside the top 15 for the amount of talent that's there it's it's the best division in the UFC right now and it's great to see Jack Shore there at 16 and 0 and uh, hopefully he can get the job done against Ricky and and, and move forward in the division 100% yeah it'll be an interesting one very very good fight as well uh, and the last thing I want to talk about from from that card we we'll talk about last night's fights then Misha Tate uh, she's fighting Lauren Murphy in that one and it's an interesting fight because it's Misha Tate's first fight down at 125 uh, she's 1-1 one one since coming back from you know her retirement which was 5 years out of the gate she beat Marion Renault in the 3rd round and went to a decision against Ketlin Vieira now obviously down at 125 this fight was supposed to happen back in May then it was supposed to happen 2 weeks ago uh, and now it's happening here and if you look at the rankings in that division you have obviously Valentina Shashinko atop the division 
Then Kaelin Chukagan, who was supposed to fight here in a few weeks, but has pulled out injured. Then Tylia Santos, who obviously just lost to Shevchenko. I think this should be a rematch, personally, because that one was close enough to warrant it, even though I had Chukagan winning. And then you've Lauren Murphy, uh, who was fighting Misha Tate this weekend. I think they're trying to set up this one to get Misha Tate into, uh, into a title shot. Now, that I mightn't take fucking uh, the man at uh, what is it 121 Baker Street to uh, to figure that one out uh, but uh, it's just it just feels like the, the UFC tried to hide their bullshit a lot of the t- <laughs> a lot of the time but with this one it doesn't it feels like they're not even trying to hide it having said that look I think this is a good fight in general uh, Murphy versus Tate I think it's good matchmaking but the fact that it's matchmaking just to get Misha Tate in there into title shot which he'll almost certainly get destroyed in uh, is, a, is a bit weird but is that the way you're seeing it too or is it just me with my uh, Eddie Bravo hat on no, no, definitely. You know, uh, yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head there. They're definitely trying to make this happen. A very favorable matchup for, for Misha Tate coming down um, to the 125 pound division. I mean, you know, we were talking about on the contender, Misha Tate and her possibility of being a, a contender in the bantamweight division. Obviously, that didn't happen after her loss with Caitlin Vieira, but she has a very winnable matchup here in, with Lauren Murphy. Uh, you know, obviously the fight was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago. Misha Tate, or I believe, picked up COVID. So she was looking in tremendous shape ahead of that fight. It'll be interesting to see how she manages to, to move down and wait. And, um, you know, that's it. They're struggling for contenders in the flyweight division right now. Misha Tate gets a win here. I would not be surprised to see her getting thrown straight into a title shot. And like you, I would not be surprised in the slightest to see her get absolutely demolished in that title fight as well. So, I mean, it's going to be a strange one for Misha Tate. You know, you're kind of setting yourself up maybe for failure, but they'll sell the shit out of that fight. Misha Tate versus Valentina Shevchenko, former champion. You know, Misha Tate is one of the OGs of women's MMA. Um, you know, you could be even talk talk about her as maybe a future Hall of Famer uh, from some of the things that she's achieved with her rivalry with Ronda Rousey really drove women's MMA um, when it was going on. So, look at it'll be interesting to see what's happening. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of like two lambs to a slaughter here, really, isn't it? If Daniel Carmack can get into the Hall of Fame, fucking anyone can get into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> you never miss a beat. <laughs> never miss it. Never miss an opportunity to go at DC. Right, let's talk about uh, the fight night from last night. Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fizaev and the rest of the card as well. Ian, we haven't discussed it yet. We, I suppose we haven't broken it down. What, what would you... If you were to describe this card, someone decided to sleep in on Saturday night, didn't bother watching the card. As a whole, how would you describe it? I would say if you had the the choice to sleep in and you'd made that decision, you did. You, you made the right call. I would tend to agree. Right <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. It was. It was. Um, you know, there was a couple of of fighters sprinkled about this card, like we said, but you know, it's a bit of a slow burner of a card. It was a bit of a slog on the prelims, and the same for the for the kind of uh, the main card as well. You know, we we're all waiting for the main event hoping it would be kind of a good encounter and it wasn't brutal but it wasn't really competitive either and yeah, uh, yeah if you decided to sleep in good on you and i hope you enjoyed your rest <laughs> yeah good call uh, you, you, all, you also might have the shortest uh severe podcast of all time because there's very little to talk about in this yeah. card if we're being honest look i, I think we, we might as well start with the main event because the, the one thing that struck me about the main event and especially about the fifth round, so Dos Anjos and Fazoyev, if people didn't watch it, they went in and had a very, I would call it an even enough fight for four rounds. A lot of pushing against the cage from Dos Anjos, loads of takedown at him, so he only got one or maybe one and a half, you you would put it. And Fazoyev probably landed the better shots and the feet, Dos Anjos landed a few of his own as well, and that was grand. You know, was, I don't know, I haven't seen the scorecard yet, maybe they'll, they'll we'll pull them up here as, uh, as we go along, but... Dos Anjos came out flying in the fifth round, flying altogether. He was like, right, I'm going to finish this fight in the fifth round. And then about 17 seconds later, he gets a big left hook and then he gets finished with a shot on the ground. And now Mark Smith, we'll get into Mark Smith later on because he made uh, him as one of them. But this one, I think he did a great job. He, f- he did finish this very, very quickly. We, we'll get into more, more of the fight in a second. But my, the one point I want to make about this fight and, and fights in general is, 
is that sometimes there are some fights, right, you get into them and you're a couple of rounds in and you, I, I think you have to realise, if you're both of these guys, that the game plan you have decided to fight with is not separating you from the other guy, right? F- I think Fizeev was probably winning most, if not all, of those rounds, but not by much. Dos Anjos, he was probably losing all of those rounds, but not by much. And neither of them really changed anything until the fifth round. And then something happened. Like, why not change that earlier? I, I, I've said it multiple times on this podcast and other podcasts. The sign of a great fighter, and I'm not talking about a good fighter or a very good fighter, I'm talking about a great fighter, is the ability to change within a fight. And I, I love a game plan. I love people coming in with, uh, you know, the, the ideas of what to do throughout the fight, what to do in certain areas and all of that. But sometimes you have to adjust in the fight. You have to come with a plan A, but you also have to come with a plan B that you're happy enough to do. You're happy enough to use. And I feel like both of these lads kind of left that until the fifth round. And... It just made for... It wasn't as dire an affair as last week's main event, to be fair. It was it was a good battle. But it just felt like both of them could have separated themselves from the fucking clinch, in the, first of all, but in the fight as well. Was that kind of your sense of a two throughout the fight? It was. And I think more of the criticism would probably have to go to RDA as well because, you know, Fizev was winning, in my opinion the fight probably three rounds to one going into the fifth round. Rafael Losanias found himself in a predicament and speaking on the prelims or on the preview show, like we were asking the question, would Fizeev have the, the ability to keep the fight standing? Um, what would RDA do if he couldn't get the fight down? And I think we saw that in the first three rounds. Um, RDA found himself fighting at range, trying to pick off Fizeev and it just was not working for him. And I think, you know, the ability that Fizel showed to keep the fight standing was very good, but Rafael Desanos had no plan B at this stage in, uh, of his career. You know, we all know that he's not the fighter that he used to be, and it kind of showed a little bit tonight. Um, I think, I, like, I think he was forced to fight a bit more on the front foot going into round five and that kind of cost them. That probably got him knocked out in the end. Um, and yeah, I guess most of the questions that we had before the fight have been answered. You know, Fiziev does have good takedown defense. You know, he's going to come across tougher challenges than he did tonight in future fights, which is quite obvious. But I think, you know, he can take something out of a difficult test that was in front of him tonight and, and he handled it with flying colors and, you know, the fight wasn't anything to write home about, but it was a good knockout and a good finish and a good stoppage from, from Mark Smith as well. Owners, just looking at the cards here, I have them in front of me. Two of the judges had a 3-1, as you said. Uh, one judge had a 2-2. So, you know, it, it was, it, no matter what the judges scored in the fifth round, uh, unless it was a 10-8 or a 10-7 or whatever, and unless there were points taken, it would have been a fight that uh, Fazeev would have won either by unanimous decision or split decision. So, you know, he was winning throughout the fight. And I, I wasn't necessarily scoring it as I went just because I'm fucking sick of it and it was too late and, I, and all of that. But yeah, the general I didn't feeling either. Was, I was just kind of looking and I, I would never give a confident score either. I could just suggest that Fazeev was, um, was winning the fight. But what do you do next to them? I mean, that was a that was a, a good test. That was a good challenge for him. You move on up. I I don't know. I'm looking at Benny Darush. Maybe he's he'll probably move in under Benny Darush now. You could match him up, which is you know unfortunate for unfortunate for Benil. But I mean, the injury kind of cost him his position in the rankings. But that's where he stands right now. Is that the kind of fight you would be putting Fizayev in next, or or what would you be looking at? Maybe. So he's number ten at the moment. Um, he just fought number seven. So as you say, he'll probably be going in around. I'd say Gamrat might still be ahead of him, maybe. So he probably he'd probably go in around eight. Gamrat maybe seven, or maybe maybe around there, there thereabouts. Um, I would love to see him fight someone like Justin Gaethje. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Gaethje lost the two fight uh, title shots, title shots, and uh, is coming back in now. Who's matched up in that division? Like it. Uh, uh, Makachev is fighting. Is it? It looks like he's going to be fighting for the title, doesn't he? It's Para. actually like when you're looking mm-hmm. at the top five, top six right now in the division. 
there's nobody matched up in yeah. the lightweight division. That's the problem. So it, They're probably all waiting for a fucking right. title shot, including Justin Gaethje, who's yeah. lost to. It always seems to happen. Like, if, if you're Fazayev, though, in that division especially, you have to keep fighting. Like, you just have to keep fighting. And Bisping was trying to draw a name out of him. You know, he kept joking, saying Rafael Nadal and all, which was grand. It was funny, but, like, say a name. Give me Tony Ferguson. Give me Gamrat. Like, I'd say the fight that'll happen probably will be Gamrat. Like, cause it, it all depends what the UFC want to do yeah. in this situation. And similar think, names, aren't they? And similar, uh, you know, similar levels in comparison to like the, one of them will be the next guy that people probably don't know that well that will climb up there. Yeah, it was like that. And we, and you know, unfortunately for Gamera, he kind of had that test with Saryuk, and he might not have to have to go into a, a similar test with someone like Fizayev. You know, the fight that makes sense to me might be the Darush fight but the fight that the UFC might want to make is him and Gamrot to kind of get one of those guys out of the way and let the rest of the division kind of sort itself out there's no champion in that division there's no clear number one contender right now the lightweight division is a little bit of a mess right now but um, it'll be interesting to see what they do Uh, I would probably agree and and go along the lines of what you're saying is that you know we could see a Gamrot Fizayev main event on a fight night or something like that uh, somewhere down the line it, it's a bit like featherweight as well though like in terms of you, there are there's so no many, real clear contender in, up there in the featherweight division either the both divisions are a little yeah. bit up in the air right now I, I think that the fact that uh, it was funny because we've podcasts coming out this week and we talked about it last week as well um, on, uh, on our topic and on the podcast it just feels like there are so many contenders it's hard to know who the right one is and especially with lightweight as well there's no champion at the moment so like it's we all know it's probably going to be Oliveira and you know Mikachev seems like the fight that's going to happen but like even after that let's say that fight was happened next week and we got a winner and we needed the next contender like who's that then it could be any of these guys or there might be one fight away from it being one of these guys pretty clearly but at the moment there's just so many of them there and so many good options there are so many good fighters there that you get a number seven against number 10 and it's actually like pretty meaningless in terms of the title picture or even the like number one contendership because there we all know they're probably going to have to fight at least another one fight and against someone higher up like if if what i said and you what you were talking about there happens fazea beats uh, fights gamrat if he beats him if Gamera beats him, whoever the winner of that is, they won't be next in line either. You know, they will have to fight uh, a Justin Gaethje or a Dustin Poirier or someone, unless them lads are gone away, and then they'll have to fight whoever's next. Maybe it's a Saryuk and after winning one back, or, or maybe it's a McGregor or whoever, to, to get up to that title shot. So it's very hard. It's harder than ever, I think, to get title shots in the UFC these days. But I, I think after a performance like that, as I maybe just briefly get back to it and uh, maybe quickly analyse the fight before we move on to the rest of them as well, I, I don't think a performance like that for four rounds by Fizayev or Dasanyas, if he had won it, is the sort of thing that will like garner him uh, you know, a lot of good feelings in terms of getting a title shot. Now, the finish will absolutely help in the fifth round finishing. Me and other people talking about his cardio in the fifth round, but I, I think it, from that point of view, it'll be tough for him, but also I think maybe one or two more fights. He's only 13 fights into his career. We t- started off this discussion talking about how great fighters change during fights. That will be a thing can go back and look at. If he's good coach, I'm not sure who's coaching him, who's talking him or anything. But they said at him, look, you need to do this, this and this in the fight to change things, to up it, to stop these situations happening. It could actually make him a way better fighter. He implements that in the next one over five rounds, the next one over five rounds, and he gets to the title and he's he's absolutely ready. So it could be a blessing in disguise for someone like Fizayev. I, I, like thinking about it now here, I think it's more of a learning fight, this one for Fizayev than anything else. When I, I think he, he announced himself as a real contender tonight. But also, I think it's still he's still a prospect in a lot of ways, isn't he? Yeah, definitely a prospect. Like, I mean, after watching that fight, you're not really excited or chomping at the bit to go in and see him fight again. Um, I def- definitely agree with what you said. The knockout that he got tonight will have helped him tremendously. If it was just coasting out and winning the decision, it would not have went down as well with everybody. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the UFC do with him next. 
and what they do in general. They, they, I know Dana White likes to say they sit down on Tuesday, so it's going to be a very interesting meeting next Tuesday in the in the war room uh, about the featherweight and the lightweight division. There's plenty of sorting out to be done in both of those weight divisions. He's, he's like Dustin the Turkey. We'll sit down on Tuesday, but we won't say which Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some Tuesday, or like to say, some Sunday during the week. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I never heard that one, but I like that one. No, I was <laughs> using that one myself. Um, I suppose there was a few fights like the main event on, on the card uh, last night. Cabahalio against Armin Petrosian was, was pretty similar. There was, uh, I, look, the first round of great takedown by Bahalio, great back control, almost got, or re- really tried hard to get the rear naked choke multiple times, wasn't able to get it. And I think from that point on, sometimes you reach a point in a fight where you know the guy is not going to submit the other guy. But you know he's probably going to keep taking him down. And then it's like, well, this is just going to be a boring fucking decision here. And that's yeah, what it kind of turned out to be. Although Petrosian tried his best in the last round to land a few shots, but it wasn't to be for him. This is nearly the exact same fight that we've seen with Andre Muniz and, and Uriah Hall last weekend as well. Just Muniz took Uriah Hall down, figured out they had a clear advantage in the grappling department, was able to take the back of Hall. And, and Berhalio did the exact same with Petrosian here tonight. Um, didn't push for the finish, and you know, I mean, I like, like I said, I said on Twitter after the fight, it was like you understand UFC putting Bahalio in a position like that to try and build his name, try push him up the rankings, but it's very counterproductive when the end result is what we've seen in the fight tonight. It was not the most exciting fight. Um, Berhalio didn't really answer too many questions about himself or, or give us any excitement and looking forward to his next fight. And it was just it was just a, an average performance overall, to be honest. Yeah, it was a pretty bad fight, but like that's what you would expect. Someone like he's only twelve and one in his career as well against a world champion kickboxer. Like I talked about last week about Easy, and people are probably saying, What are you talking about? You said Easy was boring as fuck last week, and you're not criticizing this as much. Well, like I wouldn't criticize Easy that much for the Oil Romero fight because you need to fight that sort of fight against someone you will, you know, like your Oil Romero. But if you do it time after time after time, then that's a problem. Bahalio here, he's fighting a world champion kickboxer, or maybe not a world champion kickboxer, but a world class kickboxer. Go in there, take him down, no problem with it at all. And yeah, look, it was a good performance. As I compared him to Muniz on Twitter as well. You compared him to Muniz. I think that was very, very true. Struggle to get the, the, the submission. And that's what I talk about all the time. You know, getting submissions, jiu-jitsu at the that's high the end. Diff- of that's the arts. difference between an elite level kind of fighter and, and someone else. Like if, if you're going to create excitement in the division, you're going in there and you're finding a finish in that fight. If you are the better fighter, you're finding You're not going to just accept what's in front of you, accept that you're better in, in, in the grappling exchanges and just kind of coast to a decision. You need to be going and taking a few risks and, and getting guys like Petrosian out of there if you want to get people excited about you. Yeah, I, I agree, especially from the position he was in when he had, where he had the back. Like, if he had taken a risk, all he would have done was give Petrosian a bit of space to make him take an extra risk so he'd probably be able to put himself in a better position and if he didn't get back up to the feet and he'd just be able to take him down again but yeah look another one a learning fight definitely an experience for Kyle Bahalio and I think look I think he's a real top prospect coming into his last fight I picked against him while still saying you know this guy is pretty good and really good on the feet and then he goes out and he absolutely wrestles, uh, you know, a Dagestani wrestler. Then he comes in here, he does a lot of wrestling again. But this guy is like a really good karateka as well. He's unbelievable striking. So we haven't seen a lot of that yet. And I'm, I'm sure we will see it pretty soon. He called out Drikas Duplessis. I, I think that's a fight that Kai Bahalio wins, to be honest. I, I think that's a very good fight. So hopefully we'll see it. Do you think he gets it? No. I don't know. I, I don't think uh, yeah. I, I think Drickus Duplessis would be stupid to take that fight, to be honest. But. Yeah, exactly. And and to be honest, after performance like that, you know, you're probably not going to get what you want either, to be to yeah. be fair. Middleweight, go to middleweight. Um Said Nurmagomedov versus Douglas Silva de Andrade. Now, this went to the decision, but this was a fucking banger. Uh I love watching Said fight. Watching the two watching the two of these lads fight. Uh, you know, for the preview show that I fell asleep for I missed. And and for the vetting show as well. 
it was exciting, you know, both guys with big knockout power, and you know, both guys were nearly fucking knocked out at one stage during this fight, their big shots landed, side throwing those question mark kicks, um, you know, and fucking wheel kicks and jumping wheel kicks and all, but he definitely got tired in the middle of that second round, and uh, D'Andrade was, was pushing the pace, did very well in the third round with those up kicks and stuff. I, I think he got caught in that position for too long where he was standing above him. A position which I need to say, do you know the position where the guy, one guy's on the ground, the other guy's standing oh, above him kicking I him? I, I hate the fact that they stand up that position. I, do you know the worst thing about that position is the referee like coaching them through it. Let them fight. If one fighter is standing well, Herb, there... Herb is right up on top of oh, him for the terrible. entirety of it where you're putting Awful. pressure on it. You, you're either in and Herb does that quite so often where... He's always lingering about. Like the referee's job is supposed to be staying in the background, not be matters. seen and be ready to pounce. He did. He was right on top of the fighters there, and that influences the fight so much. Like and and it did in this fight too. If one dude is, sta- is sitting there on the ground and is refusing to move off his back, and the other dude is standing there refusing to move from there, absolutely by all means separate him, stand him up. But that wasn't happening here. One dude was kicking the other dude. He was elbowing the shit out of his shins, and the other lad was throwing up kicks. That almost knocked him out a couple of times. This is fucking mixed martial arts. Let them at it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There was n- he didn't get close to kicking him in the head as a down opponent or anything like that. I really don't understand why they ref it that way. We need that's a, a big thing we need to change. Anyway, we won't got, get caught up in that. I I was impressed by both guys to be honest. And Said, you know, people listen to this. If you didn't watch the fight and you heard the name Said Nurmagomedov, you're probably thinking, you know, Dagestani wrestler. He although he did get a couple of takedowns and they were nice. But this guy is more like Wonderboy than he is like Habib with those, I mentioned, you know, the question mark kicks and the big spinning kicks and all. I'm a massive fan of Saeed Nurmagomedov. I know he was supposed to fight. Was he supposed to fight Jack Shore before? Jack Shore's fighting next week. I thought he was fucking fighting yeah. this week uh, coming into this. But, you know, if he wins next week, that could be a fight that, that could happen as well. And that'd be, that'd be a banger. Are you impressed with Saeed? Yeah, I was I was impressed how he handled the distance in rounds one and rounds two. The Andrade couldn't get in on the inside. What Andrade wanted to do was kind of get up close into boxing range because, you know, he's got some serious power in his hands and we've seen flashes of that in the fight. But Saeed kept him at bay with his kicks and, and spinning attacks and, and looked really good doing that. I think he depended on his spinning attacks a little bit too much. And it doesn't look to me that he seems too confident in the pocket with his hands as well. And that's something that I think that Saeed is going to have to improve on when he's facing off against uh, stiffer competi- competi- competition. Excuse me. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, Deandraj is just a dog. 37 years of age, stayed coming forward, stayed making the fight competitive. That's exactly what you want Um you know, refusing to be beaten. And, and DeAndre is going to cause problems to a lot of bantamweights that are kind of teetering outside the top 15 in that division for, for another year or two. He looks, he's absolutely yoked at 37 and, and, and a big danger. I thought, you know, he just came across a better fighter tonight in Saeed Nurmagomedov. And yeah. overall, the bantamweight division is absolutely sick inside Unreal. the UFC right now. Unreal. I mean, trying to keep up with it is absolutely nuts. Um, the the amount of talent that's outside the top 15 right now is absolutely crazy. And then, you know, we all know about the talent that's inside the top 15 too. By far, in my opinion, and I know our, my guy Spencer Kite has been talking about this for a long time too. I'm totally sold on the bantamweight division. I think by far the best division inside the UFC right now. Middleweight, I don't know. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, I, I, Bantamweight has been for a long while, I think. Like, even if yeah. you think back to when I, fucking Hidden Bro. I'm a fan and, of Featherweight and, and the lightweight yeah. divisions, but Bantamweight right now, I mean. Featherweight's man, just the, been the, fucked up by too much shit at the top of the division, like. And yeah. it hasn't been able to, to be let breathe, but there, there is. It's so almost much impossible to try and figure out which one of the outside, uh, outside if you want to call it the chasing pack. On the, on the hey. outside of the 15 division, hey, um, it's impossible to even see who's going to take a foothold and, and, and work their way into the top 15. It's 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 unbelievable talent there right now. Yeah, I think like the level, as we talked about earlier, like Gamrat and Fazayev at seven and eight, let's say next week in lightweight, are guys probably at 16 and 17 in bantamweight. And that that's not to, to downgrade the lads of lightweight, just the lad, bant- bantamweight are absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, myself and uh, Spencer, we, we're another few weeks, another, I think in three weeks' time, 
uh, we will be doing the state of the UFC, so that should be a fun one. You'd have to do a special on the bantamweight division. We, <laughs> we might get you on here. If, uh, although if, you, if we got a third person on the state of the UFC, it'll turn into a fucking four-hour show. We'd be there all night. Could be, could then, be a big one, all right. Uh, Chase Sherman then put on a f- fantastic display. Like, I wrote Chase Sherman off coming into this fight, I won't lie. One of my best for the week was Vendetta. But no, uh, Chase Sherman, I thought he, he was... Very good. I, I he didn't dominate the fight, but I thought he was the better fighter throughout the fight. And then he got the finish, and the third Vendera got tired. Even though Chase got hit a good few times throughout the fight, he didn't give up like he had in previous fights. Looked good and kept going throughout it. Look, it wasn't a classic fight. It was your middling heavyweight fight. It didn't turn up uh, or turn into the third round slap fest like I imagined. It was a good fight in the third round. All in all, I couldn't say much negative about this. I didn't. I didn't think Vandera fought great, to be honest. But Chase Sherman, absolutely I thought he did. fought horrible, to be yeah. honest. I think it was clear from the very early stages of that fight that Chase Sherman had the speed advantage and was a little bit more technically um, advanced on the feet than Vandera. Vandera looked kind of like he was in slow motion from the from the starting bell, and it confused the life out of me why Vandera didn't even so much as try to clinch or try to take the fight down. I mean, you're talking about the same Van der Rae who who chose to jap- grapple with, with Olenek in his last fight. And now you're choosing to stand and bang with Chase Sherman here. So I remember we were talking uh, about a previous card, myself, Harry and Spencer, and, and, and Harry made the statement, you know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. And I think that's what Van der Rae did tonight with Chase Sherman. And well, I would agree with you. In, uh, Chase Sherman fought probably the best fight that he's fought in a long time inside the UFC. But on the other end of the stick, Van der Rad didn't really ask him too many questions. We've seen Chase Sherman kind of give up a little easier when he's put down, when he's on his back, and he wasn't put in those positions tonight. So look at the, that was a fight that both fighters needed to win. There was like, between them, they hadn't won in their last seven fights. So Van der Rad could be under pressure and keeping his job in the UFC. Yeah, he really, really could indeed. Um, Eamon Zahabi then and Ricky Torquois. Put on, uh, f- I, I you couldn't blame him and Zahabi for this, to be honest. This but is brutal. Ricky, brutal. Ricky was just like roaring and shouting and not throwing any punches for fifteen minutes and ended up losing. And any of the shots that he did land landed with no. You're talking about impact strikes. None of them did. Nothing, they would yeah. be struggling to score that in point karate or, or point kickboxing or taekwondo or anything. Whenever, whatever sport you get points for for touching somebody, but. It was like, you know, family guy, Al Harrington's wacky inflatable arm flailing tube man. There was hands flying all over. Wacky wave inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky wave inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky wave inflatable arm flailing tube man. That's a f- yeah, that, very true. Like, it's true. That's what a Turkos looked tonight. I mean, it was, I didn't enjoy this fight at all. Rubbish. It was brutal. Absolutely brutal. Do you know what he, he kind of reminded me of, right? Do you ever watch those films where... Their two lads are about to fight, right? It's usually it's usually an American fucking soldier against an Asian man who's the baddie in a fucking yeah. in a train way. And you know, they're, they're, one lad walks up one way and the other lad walks up the other way, and then they're kind of standing opposite each other and they start doing yeah, yeah stuff like that. that's what fucking Torquois was doing for fifty minutes. Just like roaring 100%. and shouting. <laughs> so it was it was bizarre. Fair, look, fair play to Emmons Ahabi for not getting drawn into his bullshit and winning the fight. So, you know, he got the win. He can move on. He's been a tough time for him over the last few years. But Tur- yeah. uh, Turkus is a former tough winner. Would I be right in saying that? He's not that? that bad of a fighter when he fights, but he's a bit of a Kevin Hollands. He just didn't bother fucking fighting. Like, Yeah, know? he's a, a strange bizarre. customer altogether. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy that fight at all. He, did, he offered fuck all, to be honest. And. It was a relatively easy win for Zabi in the end. I mean, you're not going to get too much easier of a win than that inside the UFC. Hit and don't get hit. That's what he did. Um, Jamie Malarkey and Michael Johnson certainly hit, but they didn't manage to not get hit part either of them because this was an absolute banger of a fight. Uh, A very, very close fight. Malarkey clearly won the second. Johnson clearly won the third. And it all came down to that very close first round. I thought Malarkey won it. I, I saw a lot of people saying, all right, they both hurt each other. And then Johnson won the rest of the round. Yeah, Where, the way I remembered watching mm-hmm. back the fight. And like I said, I didn't score it now, either. Can I just say before you go into I disagree with that. I thought Malarkey was winning it. And then Malarkey got the better of the big shots. But anyway, what way did you think? Yeah, well, like that's what I would have said in the in round one. I had Malarkey winning the exchanges until he got hurt. 
Yes. And then that kind of swung it for Johnson. And then, but Malarkey kind of got it back towards the end of the round and hurt yes. Michael Johnson as well. So it wasn't just solely the fact that Malarkey hurt him towards the end of the round one. Malarkey was doing very well at the start of the fight as well, putting on pressure and landing his shots. But a razor close first round. It could have went either I'm way. Glad, I'm so glad you said it that way. Because I thought I was the only one on fucking planet Earth because that's the way, exactly what you said there is the way I saw it. And it's like, everyone else is just, oh, my, Michael Johnson. It's it's one of those ones, you know, I might I might be robbing fucking Graham's, uh, uh, you know, his gimmick here. But this was like, lad, you know, bias. It's like, because they know Michael Johnson, they scored a fight towards him. Or maybe even because he was the underdog and people betting him they were scoring it towards him. But God Almighty, it, it was a very close round. If you scored it for Johnson, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you're apoplectic about Johnson winning this round and Malarkey not winning it, then there's something wrong there. There's something sniffy going on. I, let me look at your bank account or let me look at, you know, your your search history maybe to see if you've ever looked up who fucking Jamie Malarkey is. Not that I know too much about Jamie Malarkey either, but I'm looking at this very... You know, Ireland's Jamie Malarkey. Larky after getting the win as well. Apparently, he bought his parents are Irish, are they? I only learned that on Twitter afterwards. Oh, oh really? Yeah, someone called me. Oh, there you go. Biased. He's wearing the green shirt. He's wearing the green shirt as well. So fair play to him. Yeah, someone called me biased towards the Irish lad, and I was like, "Who? Who's Irish here?" And they were like, oh, "Jamie Larky bought his parents from Ireland." I was like, "Oh yeah." I, I probably heard it the last time, but I have no memory of that. But anyway, I scored it the second. Didn't happen round. this fight for me, but I've, in previous fights when I jokingly called him Ireland's Jamie Malarkey, I had a few few people on to me. He's Australian, <laughs> you know. Joe completely going over their heads I scored a second to 10-8 here and a lot of people gave me shit for that as well but you know what they can all go fuck themselves because I thought it was I thought Malarkey hurt him badly three times Uh, he dominated the round and I almost the full five minutes of it. Johnson did very little, I think, in the second. I, so I think that Johnson really struggled to recover from being hurt at the end of yeah. round one. And we saw that in round two as well. But credit to Johnson, he came back in round three, responded really well, got a second win and, and won that round as well. But I mean, no robbery, close fight. The judges got it and right. I kind, of, I, I kind of agree with the, I agree with the scores in the end. I think Malarkey may have just done enough to win the fight. Yeah. Great fight though Not to, to hark on about all The judging all the time It was a brilliant fight If you missed these fights That's the one to go back and see Don't mind Don't even listen to the result at the end Just go in and watch the 15 minutes Really really good fight Really good knockout in by Cody Rundage Who hit Treshan Gore Right down the middle Knocked him out We don't need to talk too much about that um, A lovely arm triangle By David o- Onama as well He almost didn't get it then he dipped down into the arm triangle, was able to get it. Antonina Shashinko won a split decision against Courtney Casey. Uh, Kennedy and Juku looked very good again. Carl Robertson came out, didn't look great. <laughs> well, look look brutal. Tr- he was brutal. I think he hurt his ankle a little bit, but do you know what? You just have to dig through that and you have to find a different answer. And he just looked like he wanted out of there from there. It, the size difference in this fight was, was Massive, crazy. Yeah. Uh, and Joku was a huge, huge man and just dominate and, you know, use these strength to find himself in uh, dominating positions. And yeah, it was a good finish, though. I mean, he Very poured good. it on at the end and it was uh, a pretty brutal finish to, to, and he'll be glad to get the win. Indeed, yeah. And it was one of those ones where Robertson didn't change quickly enough in that he caught, thought he was going to come out and out grapple Kennedy and he quickly learned that well, he should have quickly learned that he couldn't, but he kept grappling with him. I was like, why are you doing this? He's beating you in those positions. And he, you know, as, as you said, he ended up getting finished because of it. Didn't the first, the first fight of the night, uh, Sedebu Kakaramanov, uh, got a very good win over Ronnie Lawrence. He's 10 and two now in his career. Um, this was his second UFC fight. He's fought in, uh, in PFL a couple of times, uh, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, he fought in CFFC and other places as well. This guy is is very, very good. So a guy to keep an eye on. Right, we're going to leave it there because that's all of that card. Shout out to our friends over at All Real Nutrition. Check them out. <clears throat> Eatallreal.com. Use the promo code SEVEREMEGA, 15% off. 
Uh, check out the Owl Triangle as well. Great, great, great interview with Joseph Duffy. It's up in the Severe MMA YouTube right now. Scroll down there. It's probably the last video. Maybe maybe there's one after it as well. But uh, you'll find it there very, very handily. It's on SevereMMA.com as well on, on the homepage still, I'd say, at the moment. Great job with Ian and uh, and Andrew and Quilcha as well over there. Covering all things Irish MMA and giving great coverage all together. Follow Ian at MMA. Don't bother following me. Uh, follow at SevereMMAPod at Severe MMA podcast as well we appreciate it all the time and effort everyone puts into uh, doing all the work over in Severe MMA like Ian and, and Harry and all the lads and we appreciate the time you put in as well listening to us uh, because without G lads we'd be nowhere we wouldn't be talking uh, into this microphone here we'd be only talking into a void so we leave it there Ian any parting words before we go um, thank you for staying up late here in Canada to, to, to do this podcast with me and we'll be doing more of them sure over the next while anyway we surely will and thank you for staying up even later to do it with me as well I, I'm up um, early now I'm not up late <laughs> that's it I guess you are now I guess you are is, is it like Sunday in your world yet or do you not kind of count it until you wake up the next morning I, I don't oh, know how you do geez, it man no. it's crazy I'm going to bed now and I'll be up in about four or five hours to do a barbecue so we the only part of words that I have is up to Kenny up the cat we want to try and get it done next Sunday myself and Sean mightn't talk for a couple of weeks after depending on what way the result is I mean I know he's not a great loser not a great winner either but we'll no, see more, I'm not even worse winner <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what I got an awful feeling today that Limerick got to blow him out of the water and that's not like something for me to say I usually I play at Kai and I just got a feeling today and I hope I'm right obviously but I might be wrong too but do you know what I, I just think it's going to be a great match and do you know that's what we all watch it for it a great all match. So. It is. You've been calling for this, you've been wanting it for a couple of years, a chance to take on Kilkenny in an all Ireland final. And I think, you know, for me looking in, I think it's we've done quite well to make it to an all Ireland final this year, considering the start of the year. So I mean it's one match, it's one day and anything can happen. So I'm looking forward to it. May the best team win. And uh we'll uh, we'll enjoy it either way. Right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye.